0: RPC Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to Taxing Matters, your one-stop audio shop for all things tax, brought to you by RPC. My name is Alice Kemp and I will be your guide as we explore the sometimes hostile and ever-changing landscape. That is the world of tax law and tax disputes. Taxing Matters brings you a fortnightly roadmap to guide you and your business through this labyrinth. In case any of you miss any crucial information or just want some bedtime reading, there is a full transcript of this and indeed every episode of Taxing Matters on our website at www.rpc.co.uk forward slash taxing matters. seen enough courtroom dramas and documentaries about miscarriages of justice to know that evidence from witness is of vital importance to any trial. But the idea of actually giving evidence in court is for most people a very daunting prospect at the least. So what can you do to help ease those nerves and ensure that a witness is able to give their best evidence in court? Well here to walk us through what is helpful to a witness and in fact permitted by the court is Dr Penny Cooper. Penny initially qualified as a barrister, practising for over 10 years before turning her attention to the world of academia, earning her PhD, and a number of other accolades. Penny now has over 20 years of experience in researching publishing and assisting with various aspects of witness evidence, including how to ensure that witnesses are able to give their best evidence regardless of the circumstances. Of more direct relevance to us, she's also regularly asked to assist witnesses with how to prepare themselves for the experience. So Penny, welcome to Taxing Matters. Thank you very much, Alice. Before we launch into what the specifics of what you do are, Broadly, what is the concept of witness familiarisation and why is it so important? If I put it in a non legal context first,
0: the concept of, of witness familiarisation is getting somebody prepared for giving evidence. An analogy would be, you know, I wouldn't start building a brick wall without having done some training in bricklaying, or I wouldn't try and go on stage and sing a solo in front of an audience without doing some training for that. It's one of those things that you can absolutely benefit from. There's research to show that you can give more complete and accurate evidence if you've had some preparation. If you build a dodgy wall or you go on stage and you're don't do very well, you probably get another chance at it. But when you give evidence in 99.9% of cases, you don't get the chance to do it again if you messed up. Which is dramatic, isn't it? (laughs) It is. Not quite as dramatic as some of the courtroom dramas we see on television. Most witnesses are quite (laughs) pleased to hear that things go usually pretty slowly and judges don't like trials by ambush, so nobody's pulling evidential rabbits out of hat. So that is one comforting thing for witnesses. Solicitors cannot, nor can barristers, sit down with their own witnesses and take them through a dress rehearsal. Now, people like me who do preparation can't take witnesses through a dress rehearsal either. But what we can do is we can take some subject matter that's unrelated to the case in question and give people the experience of a mock cross-examination and give them feedback on the way that they give their answers. The underlying principle behind all of this is that every witness should be able to have the opportunity to participate to the best of their ability because that
1: helps the court. They're more likely to give good quality evidence if they've had good preparation. You mentioned that we can't take witnesses through a dress rehearsal and some people will be familiar with the term coaching. So how does witness familiarisation differ from witness coaching? Well, coaching is an absolute
0: no no coaching is not allowed and sisters and barristers would get into massive trouble if they coach witnesses and witnesses evidence would probably be thrown out if they were coached what does coaching mean well it's anything that really tells witnesses what or how to give their answers it has to be their own evidence so when we do witness familiarization typically we talk witnesses through the process so they're not mystified by it and then do some mock cross examination on a fictional case study. In the case of expert witnesses, they often can provide an article on subject matter that they've written, for example, that they and the solicitors will confirm to me has nothing to do with the case and I can cross-examine them on that and then give feedback. And that's permitted. We've got some good guidance. It goes back to 2005 in the Court of Appeal case that makes it very clear what the requirements are uh, for good preparation and what is not allowed, which is, as you say, coaching. It's good that you brought up that word because sometimes I'll meet witnesses and they'll say, oh, I'm here for some coaching. And I go, no, you're not. <laughs> and then explain explain the difference. Because it's possible that a witness would get asked in court, you know, have you had any preparation? And if a witness went, oh, yes, I've had some coaching, everyone would screech and break, stop, let's explore this. Hopefully, if it's done properly, the witness would be able to explain that they've had no dress rehearsals on the actual
1: evidence in the case. So once you've had some witness familiarisation or preparation, how can this help to impact the witness's evidence?
0: First of all, witnesses are going to be, if they've had good preparation, familiar with the surroundings, the environment of the courtroom. So they're not going to be walking into a situation where they are mystified by where to sit or where to stand when they get called up to the witness box, at what point they can sit down. Or if they're asked that question, do you want to swear or affirm? So those are some procedural basics. But just as important, if not more important, is witnesses understanding the culture of the courtroom. Because what it's really about, of course, is their evidence. And they're going to be giving evidence in answer to questions. And those questions are put in a particular way by cross-examiners. Very often they're put as leading questions and they're confrontational this is very different to what most people experience in everyday life most witnesses will have never experienced questioning of this sort in everyday life it can trigger all sorts of responses it can trigger everything from a witness becoming very quiet and not being able to draw on their memory and come up with the answer that they want to give to the other end of the spectrum when a witness actually might, be triggered into fighting back and arguing with a barrister and neither of those things are helpful so we need to support witnesses to be at a place where they can give complete accurate and coherent answers.
1: So when considering whether or not witness familiarisation might be appropriate for any particular witness, who might it be suitable for?
0: Well, I would say it should be considered for any witness. And any witness should be asked whether they want it. But when you're going to an outside provider like me or others, it's not a free service. You obviously have to speak to the bill payer as well if you're more solicitors. And probably that's important (laughs) to do in the first instance too. Talk the client through what the possibilities are, what the possible benefits are, but also the cost. There are certain things that you would want to explore, I think, about that particular witness before deciding whether the witness will really benefit and it's worth the expense. Things like, have they given evidence before? That said, even witnesses who've given evidence before can benefit from witness preparation. Sometimes they've had preparation before even, but a reminder session is very useful. I think the other questions are what's the nature of the evidence that they're going to give? How central is it to the case? How long have they got to give evidence for? Because some witnesses it's five minutes and some witnesses it's five days and you get everything in between. I think overall really what is the potential impact of the evidence on the case is probably the most important thing to think of and how much it will affect the case if they don't give evidence that
1: is of the best quality that they could give. What kind of cases might it be suitable for? Are there different criteria that you need to be thinking about, for example, in a criminal trial and a civil trial? The general principles and the requirements for witness
0: familiarisation are the same, whether it's a civil or criminal case. But in criminal cases, there are additional things to think about, the obligations, for example, to share with the other side the fact that witness familiarisation is proposed and details of the procedure that you're planning to undertake with the witness and informing the judge as well. That's a specific requirement for for criminal matters. There's some useful guidance on the web and also a note which summarises the requirements and obligations on the Bar Council's website, if anyone's interested. That document, I think, was updated in 2021. Overall, the principles are the same. You should be doing this with your witnesses before the trial and probably about two to three weeks before. Once you get too up close with the trial, witnesses have got an awful lot of other things to think about and worry about. If it's too far away, it has less impact because it feels as if, oh, well, that's something for another day. But the optimum time, I would say, is about two to three weeks before the trial some witnesses are surprised when I say about three hours for a witness of fact. So those who are giving evidence about what they saw, what they heard, what they did. I've had people say, not many people, but sometimes people say, oh, I didn't think it would be that useful, but that was really useful. Or I really didn't think it would take that long. But at the end, they're they're really very, very (laughs) grateful and say, I completely get it now. Because you need time to talk about the procedure and then put someone through their paces in mock cross-examination, give them some feedback and then say, well, let's try that again and get to a point where you know and they know that they feel more confident about giving their evidence. What are the general tips for witnesses who are giving evidence? Well, there are lots of general tips, such as speak slowly, speak clearly, address your answers to the decision maker, look at the questioner when they're asking the question don't add irrelevant comment. Those sorts of things are general. But if you think about it, you need to really sit down with a witness and explore those further. Because when you say someone speaks slowly, what does that mean to that particular witness? Some witnesses think speaking slowly is one thing and others think it's something different. Speaking clearly as well, sometimes you need to give polite but Firm advice to witnesses. You might have to consider with the witness, and this happens sometimes in cases, whether or not they're going to need an interpreter. In those instances, I might work with a witness sooner than three to four weeks before the trial because you want to flag up for the solicitors well in advance if there's going to be the need for a particular interpreter. General advice, like don't argue with counsel, means different things to different people. Some people are inclined to add a bit of a put counsel in their place type of comment and think that's entirely appropriate. (laughs) And others don't do that, which is good. They just stick to their evidence.
1: So how does witness familiarisation get arranged? Do people contact you directly? No, they don't
0: contact me directly. And they did. I'd direct them to the solicitors because one of the points of good practice is that it is arranged through the solicitors rather than with the provider directly. It's the solicitor's obligation, and mine as well, to keep good records of what goes on, just in case there are any questions afterwards. It's important that we can show that it was done properly. If somebody is thinking, I would like witness preparation, they should get in touch with the solicitors in the first instance. And then it would be arranged through them.
1: And what about if we've got solicitors listening to this podcast? What would your advice be to them? Well, my advice, first of all, would be to think about
0: witness preparation for all your witnesses and to think about all the instances you've been in court and looked at witnesses and thought, they might have benefited from some preparation. (laughs) It's not just, I've always felt, about the quality of the evidence. So that is the main reason for it. I think it's about, as well, witnesses walking away from that hearing, feeling that they've had the best support that they could have had to give their best evidence. And then whatever happens after that, that's down to the decision maker, usually the judge or sometimes the jury. So I think it's important that people get the best opportunity to participate in the justice system. And witness preparation is an essential part of that. There is also another aspect of preparation that crops up in some but not all sessions that I do and that's the exploration of what adaptations are needed for that particular witness. It's not unusual for me to have a discussion with a witness that reveals there is some adaptation that is required for them so that they can participate effectively. And I'll give you examples. Sometimes witnesses have said things to me like, actually, I don't hear very well in one particular ear. And that would lead me to then have a discussion with them about where they sit in the courtroom so that they can best hear the question. And I'll always check with witnesses first whether or not they've already disclosed this to solicitors. As I say, very often they haven't, and get their permission to do so. Because I can reassure them that nowadays in court... It is a requirement that the advocates adapt for the witness and not the other way around. Other times I've had witnesses, for example, say that they are not diagnosed with, but they think they have dyslexia. And if it's a document-heavy case and they're going to have to read a lot on the witness stand, those sorts of things we need to address and think about. I've had witnesses who said, well, I haven't mentioned this to the sisters actually, but uh, now we're talking about it. I do take medication and I have to take it at this particular time of day. Or they might say, I've had an operation recently and it has this particular physical effect on me. And we discuss scheduled breaks. And then I will make proposals to the solicitors in light of what I've found out. And they will go to counsel and, where it's appropriate, seek directions from the judge. As I say, it's really reassuring to most witnesses to know that... Advocates need to adapt
1: for them rather than the other way around. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for in this week's episode. Thank you again to Penny for joining us. You can find Penny through her website, www.pennycooper.co.uk. If you have any questions for me or for Penny or any topics you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please do email us on taxingmatters at rpc.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. RPC would like to thank podcast manager Josh McDonald. Original Score was composed and produced by Insider Music, who also produced this podcast series. To hear a full, uninterrupted version of our podcast theme, go to Instagram at insider Music and follow the link in bio. And of course, a big thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. If you like texting matters, why not try RPC's other podcast offering, Insurance Covered? which looks at the inner workings of the insurance industry hosted by the brilliant Peter Mansfield and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and our website. If you like this episode, please do take a moment to rate, review and subscribe and remember to tell a colleague about us. Thank you all for listening and talk to you again shortly.